Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I am Coach Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here back again, despite the FCC's warning, <laughs> to talk about Season 3, Episode 9 of Ted Lasso. This episode was called Tom, Do Me Not the a- French, please, <laughs> because I can't do it. Uh, I'm very poorly. This is probably going back to high school French, but I believe it's something close to La Lacarum Joufal. Okay, okay. Did you take French in high school? No, not at all. That's why it was so bad. Okay, 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 okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that being an option, and I certainly would have remembered you in a beret saying, we, <laughs> we. Oui, oui. Oh, no. We've just lost half our audience. <laughs> half of our French audience is gone. Uh, Probably been for, gone for, for years. Forgive us, Pierre. All right. So let's dive into this one. This was a solid 46 minutes. Laser focused, a thousand points of light, <laughs> no more 60 minutes, 46 minutes. Tom, from the top, let's get into it. How did you feel about La Locker Room Ox Foles? <laughs> Nailed it. It was better. Like I, I felt like there were still some oddball storylines, especially with Isaac and how he chooses to react to the situation. But I think we get some other little moments with Trent and some of the other characters that kind of give him some form of an out. But I liked the movement of the story. Like we got a lot for moving Nate's story forward, moving Roy's story forward. Um, and I thought there was a lot of great, great dialogue. Some, some goofy speeches, I think. But uh, some some good dialogue and, and good episode. And I think this show, like we've said before, is a much better show when it's tighter. Like a 30 to 45 minute episode is is where this show needs to be. But uh, sure. what do you think, my man? No, I enjoyed it. And we'll talk about it as we go through. But we spend half the episode on a problem that's not actually a problem. It's mm-hmm. kind of the show doing some chicanery, trying to make us think one thing, which I think we all kind of thought the really Isaac is gonna uh, you know it it was tough to buy into it not that he didn't yeah. act it well not that like it just felt like a convention of the show and the other part is you don't want it to be true you know you like mm-hmm. Isaac so you're like you don't want him to be a bigot so I don't know yeah. there was some chicanery there but overall there were some certainly some funny parts I don't know that <laughs> love the show will continue to watch it but sometimes I feel like we are a little bit just spinning our wheels in terms of, once again, I don't know what our conclusion, like, what are we heading mm-hmm. towards? Are we heading mm-hmm. towards soccer greatness? We're obviously getting, like, Nate's turnaround, but I would argue they've given us kind of this slow Nate turn the last five episodes. Like, I've, right. I've already, as a non-Nate guy, I've already embraced Nate. <laughs> like, I've brought him back to the fold, but the show hasn't, like, fully... Uh, I guess allowed that to happen. So I, I don't feel now I'm with you. I feel like what they did with Nate here and like the little snippets with Rupert, none of it really drove home big change for me for Nate. I mean, I guess you can say him eventually telling off Rupert kind of toward the end and by telling him off, just saying like, no, I'm not going to stay here. I, it wasn't enough for me. And I feel like a lot of the Nate stuff to me just kind of drags and I, I don't really need as much of it. I prefer the other storylines. Sure. Sure. I love Nate. I love all of his storylines, <laughs> and we call this a zag, Tom. I, those were my favorite parts of this episode. I can quote them line for line. 
Please don't ask me to actually <laughs> quote them line for line. But let's jump into it. We start with <laughs> the soccer of it all. I think my spouse, while watching this, said something like, oh, look, they're actually playing soccer, <laughs> which, was, <laughs> which was very funny. Uh, her comment on, because my, my wife does not care about any of the love stories, anything. She's just, she loves soccer. So <laughs> all she wants to watch is the soccer scenes. This I do know about your wife. I mean, it is a beautiful game, and it's fun to watch these guys who are very clearly um, good soccer players, right? Like, they can hold their own in these scenes, which I think is is fun. And then they're all having fun, right? They're all laughing. They're giggling. I think we see a very rare smile even from Isaac here. So it was a fun scene. Sure. It's uh, 22 dudes just enjoying the grass, as Beard (laughs) points out. He hasn't seen that many dudes enjoying grass since, like, a Grateful Dead fish concert i don't know it was a stoner joke i would assume or maybe a hippie joke i don't know Mm -hmm. but we even get a great job out of old coach roy and i don't think beard did this i know i've seen this scene i think they used it in the promos for the season where beard throws his clipboard and faints or is this something he's done previously I don't think so. It's like, yeah, Beard going uh, heavy dramatic on the Roy kind of turning into Ted. I think we get a lot of those kind of bits throughout this episode. So this was fun to see Roy like opening up and actually telling the team like, hey, you did good. Good job. And uh, yeah, but Beard goes goes hardcore fate and just falls backwards. Right. I I think some of the most interesting parts of this episode is the Roy storyline mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see as we dive into this what your thoughts are on kind of where we go from the beginning to the end and whether or not it's growth or whether or not it's Roy doing his job as he's supposed to <laughs> when right. told to do it by his boss <laughs> I don't know anyways let's not walk away from the weirdness Uh, Obviously, Isaac took Colin's phone and saw some pictures uh, from the last episode. So they were like, oh, it's going to get weird between these two. And then in this, I think Colin and him on the field are not getting along or at least not like, I don't know, passing the ball to each other. I don't remember (laughs) why it was weird, but it was weird. And Colin is like, hey, you want to chat this over a beer, boyo? And Isaac's like, bruv. (laughs) Or no, he doesn't say anything. And you're like, okay, so this is the conflict for this episode. Yeah, and I think we saw it from the previous one where instead of Isaac like confronting Colin and having a conversation about it, he chooses to just walk away and ignore him. And I mean, we'll we'll say it up front here. Like the whole idea of this is Isaac feels betrayed by trust or not trusting in in Isaac. Uh, I mean, I just didn't I didn't like this. To your point in the beginning, it's all manufactured drama we knew that Isaac was not going to act the way the episode was pushing it. Like we don't think he's homophobic. It'd be a super weird show if they went heavy in this with only four episodes, three episodes left. So I I didn't like what they did with this back and forth and kind of Isaac making it all about him as opposed to the stuff that Colin's having to go through. But I do like what they do and how they give Colin the the room to kind of come out to the team and the team obviously being open and the speech we get from Ted. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get, we'll get more into it, but this is just the, the start of this episode kind of had me like, Ugh, I didn't, I didn't want to have to do this for another 40 minutes. Sure. To your point is the weird move for a human being to have a friend who's going through something and then 
turn it into I'm upset with you that you did not share this with me earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't know how Isaac, I mean, other than just being there to listen, which is great. But if Colin's not ready, then that's not on Colin to share that until he's Mm -hmm. ready. Um, Oh, I was told I say his name weird. Colin, 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 Colin (laughs) Powell. I'll get there. Anyways, I'm sure I, it's all fine. I was putting a little Welsh on it for those mm-hmm. of you that sent me emails. I do forgive you. The wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's the one. Speaking of wrong syllables, we <laughs> go from here and we talk about oh, it's Keely being ghosted by Jack, which I feel like they had to use the term ghosted multiple times because Apple just released a movie called Ghosted, which <laughs> is about. Chris Evans being ghosted by Anna de Armas. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no ghosts in that movie. Also, I'll go out on a limb and say it's not the best movie in the world. Also, it's <laughs> not even a little bit fun, even though it should be. But there is about three minutes of some reveals and cameos that might be worth the cost <laughs> of admission, which is free because you I do have agree. Apple TV. Were they, question for you, were they dead the whole time? Yes. Yes, Mm. they were. Ghosted (laughs) was written and directed by Christopher Nolan and his other brother, Nathaniel Nolan. (laughs) Not the other brother, the Nolan he typically writes with, whose name is The lesser Nolan. Yes, the lesser Nolan. It's like a Hemsworth. Exactly. Although there are no lesser Hemsworths. They're all just great. We talk about Irish goodbyes. Um, I did not look this up. I should have. I didn't. This is a term I'm unfamiliar with. Are you familiar with an Irish goodbye? I had never heard this. Uh, I just assume Irish, when you talk about like drinks, that means you put alcohol in it. But I don't know. This is an alcoholic goodbye? No, no. I don't think you're allowed to make that assumption. In this day and age, uh, you know what? (laughs) I did look it up. I just thought of the definition. An Irish goodbye refers to a person ducking out of a party, social gathering, or a very bad date without bidding farewell. So that's what an Irish goodbye means. So that's... Is that what um, Dr. Sharon did? To the show? Yeah, well, no. (laughs) Well, didn't she kind of like do that with uh, Ted and kind of like she didn't want to say goodbye in person? She kind of wrote the note and kind of like left without saying bye no call to that no no that would be a modified irish goodbye with note i believe is that (laughs) proper term it's a modified (laughs) irish irish goodbye with postage letter i believe is the full term so okay that's what dr sharon did i do appreciate that uh, ted gives gives rebecca and keely their biscuits but instead of biscuits gives keely cash everybody loves a good cash basket oh man I think we've talked about it here. Cash is my love language. <laughs> it's how I receive. It's how I receive affection, but not necessarily how I give affection. <laughs> my love language giving is like bad advice and maybe like chores, but I receive cash, which is always good. That's one of the love languages in the book. So Noted. We find out there's a presser later, which Ted is going to skip because he has parent-teacher conferences, which we do get like him doing in the background, which is pretty funny later on in the mm-hmm. episode. But this leads to, inevitably, Roy's going to have to take the presser. 
Mm-hmm. I think we get a quick bit where Keeley says, or, or, or Ted thinks that she's heartbroken and she corrects him and says heartbent. And I do appreciate the little banter we get with him creating a country song on the fly about heartbent in my apartment because all that you left was your fart sense. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, but you have to admit he was missing, I would say, the, the three big uh, country song tropes, which is guns, freedom slash America and or alcohol. It's like whiskey and or beer. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna let that one slide. I don't <laughs> think those are the top three in country songs. Give them to um, me. You listen to more country than I. Yeah, not a lot of guns in in mainstream country music. Although you know, there's probably an underlying theme of that. <laughs> but uh, freedom, America. I would say uh, grandpa dying and. Um, <laughs> The one that got away, like, uh, and then trucks, uh, always mm, singing trucks. about the trucks that all their memories are made in, which I'm not going to lie, a good truck, a lot of memories can be, can be made in it. And uh, anyways, I won't sing my <laughs> own song about trucks, but That'd be roll great it. if you have one prepared. Uh, I wish we had the clip of Roy doing the American uh, cowboy impression because that would fit in right here. Howdy, y'all cowboys. My name is Ted Lasso, and I'm from Kansas. Wow. But we find out that Roy does not want to do the presser. Mm -hmm. And we do see, I think this is where they're in the hallway, right? And there's kind of an awkward exchange where you can tell he wants to talk to Keeley a bit more, but... Um, it's just Rebecca telling him he has to do the presser. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like if Roy and Keeley would just take a moment to, to chat, uh, that maybe they could work some stuff out, but maybe that's not where they want to be. And, uh, I guess since he broke it off, it's really not his place to, I don't know. Is it his place to try and rekindle that? Or does he have to wait for Keeley to come back? Or well, none think... of it at all, they're going to introduce a new character completely. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I think what we get with the Rebecca conversation clearly is pushing Roy to confront Keely and have a conversation about it. But we talked about in the, I, don't know, I think it was a previous episode with Roy's very uncharacter comment about like who right. was the tape four thing. Like that just, they needed something to kind of push them away to give Jamie it in. But I don't think it was, it was kind of silly out of character. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure he'll confront her in the next episode. Sure. We get some joy out of the episode when we visit West Ham, and we're visiting West Ham, and Jade is visiting West Ham. It's nice for her to drop in and see Coach Nate. She, t- Listen, I'll take all the Derek content I can get. Derek wants some West Ham <laughs> swag, so it's funny that I guess I don't really... Do you think all professional sports teams, their name is on everything in like all parts of the office? Um, Who has a mouse pad, by the way? Are mouse pads, did not mouse pads go away when the roller balls went away underneath (laughs) I have a mouse pad. I have a mouse pad with my company logo on it that I use every day. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm not going to make fun of people and the logos. I'm just going to move on. But um, yeah, Rupert's great here. Comes in. I thought he was going to, I don't know, did you feel like he was being creepy towards Jade? I thought they were going to play it this way, or that way, but I don't I don't feel like I got that vibe. I was ready for it. I was ready for Rupert mm-hmm. to uh, be creepy, but 
he, uh, I don't know, he kind of treated her as forgettable, which is maybe worse. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I think, like, Jade responds here in a second, like, oh, he seems wealthy. That was such a great, <laughs> great response to him just being goofy. Like, I don't know, like he says, I'm an amateur dialectologist. He makes these weird comments. I don't understand Rupert's motivation throughout this entire episode of what he's trying to do. Is he trying to break them up? Is he trying to just be a sleazebag? Is he just wealthy and doesn't know or care about anything he says? It's just, it was all a bit off and, and goofy to me. Maybe it's the fact that he does not value relationships and like steady relationships. We'll just say monogamy. Uh, <laughs> and so in this relationship, he does not give their relationship any like meaning or weight. He projects mm-hmm. that a little bit. Uh, but that's me. I don't oh, know. But he makes a lot Digging. of these snide comments like, hey, don't lose her or, you know, you're, you know, kick or you're, I was going to say kicking upstream. I don't think that's what, no, <laughs> that's what the no, saying don't is. kick upstream. No, <laughs> I don't think that's what he said. That's a fisherman term. Um, I, I think his point here is he's like, he is saying all the things he's supposed to say, but deep down he just doesn't care. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he doesn't care if he ever meets Jade again, who I think he calls by the wrong name. Um, well, he does it purposefully, right? When he does that later, I think he's just, I don't know. We, it's just more of us to, as an audience to hate Rupert more, I guess, is, is really what's going on here. We oh, do I, a little I bit. don't know. I kind of liked no? Rupert more during this scene. <laughs> That's called a zag, Tom. Boom. <laughs> uh, we do get a little bit from Nate here at the end where he says that he owes him a lot in, in him being Rupert, which I think all the audience kind of sees that and cringes a little bit because he doesn't really owe Rupert much of anything like sure you gave him a head coaching gig but he's not doing that because of his love for Nate and his coaching ability he's doing that despite Rebecca and everything else like the real person he owes is Ted and I guess you could argue kind of toward the end of the episode maybe he starts to to see that oh I'm gonna uh, this isn't even a fake zag he owes Rupert a ton Rupert made him the manager of a premier soccer league granted it was out of spite and for all the wrong reasons but (laughs) You know, when this goes terribly wrong, guess who's got that on his resume? Nate the Great. He's going to be like, oh, I, you know, led West Ham to a winning season. And Mm. I don't know, throw out a team, Chelsea. Chelsea (laughs) is going to be like, yes, we would love to have you manage us for, I don't know, a season and a half, and then we'll fire you. It feels like soccer managers get fired and hired a lot. I don't pay attention, but it feels like there's always a different guy in a tracksuit being like, listen, we didn't perform. We should have had more guys in the box and we weren't aggressive enough. And then like three months later, it's some other guy in a tracksuit. <laughs> so, but it's always the same team. And I only know this because our Twitter has Chelsea stuff in it and they always <laughs> seem to have a different manager. Stop me if I'm wrong, Tom. Does Chelsea switch managers a lot? Once again, <laughs> casual observer here. Yeah, you know all of this because uh, your best friend here watches Chelsea and Chelsea's been through... I don't know, conservatively 15 managers in the last 10 seasons. It's bonkers. They cannot keep anybody on. Tom, I'm telling you, I've gotten this all through osmosis of just (laughs) being, I don't feel like you've ever outwardly said it, but I just know that about Chelsea. So (laughs) that is why I think Nate the Great will owe Rupert when Chelsea comes a calling. All right, fair. Anyways, Beard, (laughs) we cut into this. And uh, Beard is running the presser, mm. which is just which is just great. 
and he's in a fight with the press about who's overrated and underrated at playing guitar. And some names are thrown out here. Jimmy Page, I recognize. I'm going to upset some people. I don't know who Joe Walsh is, but some people were upset during this conversation. And uh, it, it wasn't a generational thing that I would be able to get involved with. If they were like, oh... Uh, Billy uh, Joe from Green Day and I don't know the guy from Foo Fighters like uh, I guess I just don't know guitarists that's what I'm discovering in this moment well it's yeah it is a little bit dated I think for our generation but yeah Joe Walsh is a famous uh, guitarist for Led Zeppelin and who is British and then Jimmy Page uh, guitarist or sorry I got that mixed up Jimmy Page is a guitarist for Led Zeppelin and Joe Walsh guitarist for the Eagles so I think they're also playing on the idea of like British versus American so you know Beard is very passionate about Walsh as the American being the better guitar player versus uh, Jimmy Page the classic British Led Zeppelin lead, lead guitarist wonderful I did catch the joke as he's being shoved out the door that Stairway to Heaven is just like a finger <laughs> exercise which I thought was funny This leads to Rebecca taking over the press conference, and I love what they do here. She's like, oh, so much passion in the room. And then she calls on someone, and they're like, who's the greatest rock guitarist of all time? They don't switch the subject, even though it's already caused controversy. This was good. Do we hear her answer, or or she's just like hurried out of the room, and she has a conversation with Higgins, and she's like, I panicked. She said, or I think Higgin gives like a joke, like the guitarist from Cream, which oh, I don't know right. who that is. Uh, John again, Cream. Yeah, John <laughs> Cream. Cream is made of the Cream brothers. The cream of the crop. That's the joke. Um, the crop brothers. Jim Crop, Joe Crop, James Crop, the cream of the crop. Hence uh, Cream. Okay. So yeah, I, I must have missed it. I mean, I don't know. Do you have, I think you maybe mentioned it in the beginning. You, you think uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day is the greatest rock guitarist of all time? No, I can't stand Green Day. No, the greatest <laughs> uh, guitarist of all time is Dunstan Kentrew of Thrice. I'll mm, uh, wow. live and die by that. Wow. I mean, that's I, I not would true, go... but that's my only <laughs> reference point. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you gotta go Jimi Hendrix, right? Like, that guy could shred. Plays a heck of an anthem, that's for sure. Mm. We've got... Roy being Roy, which I wrote in my notes, and I don't know what that means, but Rebecca... It's Higgins. Higgins says that. It's Roy being Roy in terms of like not showing up, and then Rebecca gives a line, well, okay, and Rebecca's got to be Rebecca. And then she goes in, she finds him in the weight room. I wish they would just let us watch the team in the weight room, not because <laughs> I you know, need to see all these athletes lifting weights, but just the banter that goes back and forth in there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I... I I feel like what we've lost is just some of the team stuff. Like, we've lost the coaches. We've lost the... I mean, although we get some of it in this episode, since it's not about soccer and it's not about, like, winning and the team, everything right now feels ancillary, like, outside of that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's maybe where some of my dissatisfaction is coming from. Am I touching something? No, I think you're right. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, the show The Office, when all these characters are just at the office and going back and forth, like that's where the comedy is. When they try to stretch this out and separate the characters and do all these romantic turns and twists and stuff, I don't think the show is nearly as fun as a as a comedy when you have these great actors playing off each other. And they've given, like, the team is huge now, right? Like, we started the first season with only a handful of 
players that really interacted with the audience. Right. Now it's pretty much the entire team. Like they'll get little one-liners and they all have fun dynamics. So, you know, I think the show is almost a victim of its own success of trying to have too many characters be kind of main storylines. Sure. Sure. The main storyline right now though, is get your hairy buttocks in my <laughs> office. And this, I died. This was, I'm going to say top joke in the episode <laughs> where Roy starts to leave and he turns the team and he says, every single one of you knows that my butt isn't hairy and none of you spoke up. I will never forgive you. <laughs> Just the way he delivers that. And then he leaves and the the joke would be the, or the joke would be the team like laughing about it or like, like, but instead, Isaac goes, he's right. We're cowards. Like, they own it. it I don't yeah. know. This, whoever wrote this bit right here, just fabulous work. It's so good. And I mean, we've already established that Roy is a hairy individual, but I guess he takes good care of his, his buttocks, so, so good for him. I, but I, I don't like this last little line that we get from Isaac, which is kind of just locker room kind of banter or whatever, but he makes a line about something about, like, Richard's butt or something. That, no, no, no. This happened a couple of times in this episode, and my spouse mentioned it. She goes, why are they trying to make Richard the butt of every joke now? Because there's something that happens earlier in the locker room where they throw it to, and they're like, oh, well, at least it's not when Richard does this. Like, they mm-hmm. did this thing in this episode where he became kind of the uh, butt of every joke, <laughs> and this joke being about butts makes it all makes sense now. But... There was something weird happening that I didn't know why they went in this direction. Yeah, I guess, I I don't know. I think it's more, they're trying to play on this potential like bigoted angle, I guess, at Isaac. So he's saying this purposefully to try to put the team off or oh, put the audience I off, see right? Like saying. him making kind of a, a, a kind of comment. So that's what just kind of like, I don't know, again, if it was needed. It's just that they're pushing this kind of oddball storyline that we know is going to resolve itself toward the end. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. I just thought it was weird that all of a sudden Richard was like the end. Like everyone's piling up on Richard, which mm-hmm. I'd watch, but I didn't understand <laughs> the jokes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're in the coach's office. We have... Colin and Trent talking, which was a nice moment. Colin is kind of going to Trent to explain to him, like, hey, Isaac knows, like, mm-hmm. how do I handle this? And and I, I like this relationship. What's a, give me more of this. Give me more like Trent and Colin, like working together and, and figuring it out and Trent giving him some advice because he does give him he does give him, I think, some good advice, even though this isn't advice that's needed because Isaac, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I like. I love that we're getting more of Trent, and not just as a reporter asking these like snide comments, but just 
interacting with them and the relationship he's very quickly established with Colin has been just awesome where he kind of tells him like, Hey, just give Isaac a minute. You know, you shouldn't have to, but some people need it. Like you've known for 20 years and he just kind of found out. So again, I, I, I like that the, the show gave us that because at least kind of puts a little bit of perspective in Isaac's standpoint where he's trying to figure out how to respond to it. Clearly I, we would argue it's the, a very opposite response that you should have if you're confronted by this with a friend you should be there and and talk to them because communication is you know helpful um this podcast has talked about it before but I, I i appreciate that they gave us this and i loved how it came from trent sure sure yeah i'm fine with communication unless it's about troubles everyone should just suffer silently those are the <laughs> house words you made the comment from Colin where he said or where Trent says you've known for 20 years great line from Colin where he says 20 once I came once I was out of my mom I never looked back and Trent (laughs) gives this look like oh it was very it was a great line from Colin great look from Trent Mm -hmm. and in the background we have Ted doing the parent teacher (laughs) conferences and just being like it's unfair Ted is being Ted and like like puns and witty Maybe not witty, but puns in the background. <laughs> but it's in the background. Give it to me in the foreground, show. <laughs> I don't know. This seemed a lot for this teacher conference to be constantly. Like, every single line he has is some sort of pun or whatever. And I don't know, man. You don't think it's I'm... a nervous tick of Ted's where he's like, I'm in a teacher conference. <laughs> They're going to tell me my boy's bullying everyone. And so he's just like rapid fire. I think we've seen that when he gets a little bit frazzled, he just goes into like rapid fire comedy Ted. So no, not too much. Official verdict. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I, I didn't see Ted's hair all disheveled, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pick that up. <laughs> but I see what you're saying. We go from there to Roy and Rebecca, and this was interesting. I don't know that we spend a lot of time with these two characters alone together, Mm -hmm. right? We've had the one conversation where Rebecca's like, oh, Keely is going to go be with someone who thinks they deserve her. And so this is her calling out Roy for not doing the presser, and then going into some real heavy you walk away from everything and i'm kind of sick of the woe is me roy Mm -hmm. Uh, and i don't know it it was an interesting conversation and it's fun to see these two not fun but i just realized how little we have of these two spending Mm -hmm. much time together we got i think at one point and this is where i think it's cool where they brought these two characters back to have this conversation or having Rebecca be the one to confront Roy about, you know, his relationship and needing to move on because Roy did this for Rebecca. I think when she was kind of doing the blind dates or dating that wings night guy and how like, okay, yeah, he's fine. But I, I can't remember exactly what Roy oh, said. That's to Rebecca, right. But he gave yeah, her made some... Rebecca see like, Hey, you, you know, you deserve somebody great. not, not just fine kind of a deal. So I like that now Rebecca's kind of turning that a little bit, even though it's rather harsh and so brilliantly delivered from Hannah Waddingham. Uh, but, you know, the harsh harsh love that I think Roy is the kind of guy that needs. You can't just kind of speak softly to him. So kind of coming up to his level and telling him, you know, hey, if, if you want this, pursue this. You know, stop this silly attitude. Roy and Rebecca has a nice ring to it, Tom. Mm, Roy Becca. Nobody's Roy talking about Becca. That. They could put R&R on everything. Everyone would be like, <laughs> rest and relaxation. They'd be like, no, Roy and Rebecca. <laughs> They'd have to correct everyone. They'd be at the wedding. Everything would be monogrammed. 
They'd be like, oh, we're getting some R&R. &R. They're like, no, it stands for Roy and Rebecca. Um, yeah, so actually that's my new end game. I want Roy and Rebecca to end up together. I think that's what the show oh, is. And they will adopt Henry, which means something tragic mm. has to happen to Ted, <laughs> as well as Michelle, as well as Dr. Jacob of Farm State. So, man, they're going to have to get a lot in the next three episodes, but I'm ready for it. A death an episode. As they say, that's a Hollywood, uh, that's a Hollywood <laughs> trick, a death in episode. Just go watch an Agatha Christie or I don't know. Christopher Nolan movie. There you go. Christopher, uh, death in episode. Um, we have a quick scene with Nate and Rupert. Rupert, I think I mentioned this earlier, forgets Jade's name. So I think when Nate, he's just like sitting there writing on a clipboard looking at you know, another board that has soccer moves and everything else. So oh, like, he's I don't watching really film. Know. He's doing the film study. I don't think he's even doing film. I think there's literally just a whiteboard in front of him that he's just moving stuff around. But like, mm. yeah, he, he's whatever. He's he's tactically thinking about tomorrow's game. And again, all of this seemed completely unnecessary and they could have cut this scene in my opinion. Like outside of Rupert forgetting Jade's name for whatever reason, again, we already know Rupert's kind of a jerk. Like the next scene is really what we needed, I think ultimately is before the match he's walking towards the field and then rupert invites nate to like some kind of like boys night when he says oh yeah cool i'll invite jay and he's like no 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 this is just gonna be us so i mean that that's all we really needed in here there was no realization from nate i don't i don't know why they dragged this on a little bit oh i think the scene is hitting us over the head with nate is burning the midnight oil getting ready for the game and rupert makes a comment about you know what's important is relationships even though he does not believe that one bit what's happening here is nate is realizing it but it seems like a kind of a silly lesson to be learning yeah i'm, I'm with you was mm -hmm. it unnecessary all of this is unnecessary tom I mean, we, <laughs> the, the show doesn't have to exist we could just be i don't know calling each other and talking in fact i've been meaning to talk to you about this we don't need this show in order for you and i to talk we can talk outside of this show um, mm. This is less of a discussion, more of a plea. Um, mm. Please call me more. <laughs> I'll quote my mother. Please call me more. <laughs> Listen, once I officially get the the co-host slot, then then we'll talk about you know extra calls. But uh, as a guest host, I still got to work hard. <sighs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you failed because you were just <laughs> supposed to say I'll call you more. That was actually the moment I was going to make you the main host, but. You failed, and that's why you're a guest, and I'm the main host. Game within a game over here. All right, so considering that some of this is necessary and some of it is important, let's go to the Richmond game. We get a quick shot of the pub crew, and they have all their beers in champagne glasses. I do like how one of the guys says, yeah, it tastes better. Yeah, I think it's Paul. It's like, ah, it tastes better. And the uh, publican, as she turns, she goes, says something about making money because I think she's <laughs> charging the same for a beer but pouring it into a much smaller glass. So I think she's found a way to maximize profits. Capitalism, I think she's baby. just, yeah, she's just super happy because the club's doing well. Her, her pub, uh, consequently, is also doing well and she's busy. So I don't oh. think it's necessarily a portion control okay. thing. <laughs> okay. I missed a lot on this episode. I thought she was happy that she was tricking people out of their hard-earned shillings, but you're talking about she has business because they're playing well mm -hmm. that's fair i think it could be either can we agree it could be either tom 
I agree to disagree. Uh, see, once again, guest, <laughs> guest on this podcast. That was another chance. I set you up and you failed. All right. I'm used to it. We have Higgins, Keeley, and Rebecca all hanging out before the game. Uh, Higgins talks about Jack having a firm handshake. <laughs> which good was riddance. funny. Yeah, good riddance. Um, it was just a funny bit. Mm-hmm. This is... I don't know. I like to li- I like to do the dead fish handshake every once in a while. Uh, when it's typically when I know the person, I would never do it to a stranger because that would just be <laughs> weird. But uh, every once in a while, it's nice to do the dead fish handshake, mm-hmm. which Jack apparently did not do. We get a hands in in the beginning, and Isaac won't touch Colin's hand because I'm assuming he's afraid that. It might make him gay, is what the show is trying to say. But instead, it's so silly, right? Like they're pushing so heavily this idea of him being homophobic and not even wanting to touch him. When again, we as an audience know that is not true. And I just, I think it's so, it's so silly. It was silly, but I do like where he's going to count it off. And he says, like, <laughs> ABC, Richmond. And I was yeah. like, all right. It's Richmond like the, on C. ABC. Right, Richmond <laughs> on C. It's like the time he forgot that number when he did it, which was great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, we, we are in game, and all of a sudden, total football's not working out. This is what happens when one character finds out another character is gay on a soccer team. All of a sudden, this leads to goals. I was like, what's going on here? Really? Because... I, I mean, I guess I should trust the show enough that that's not, like, what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But they played it so heavily that I was like, okay, now we're bad at soccer because Isaac knows about Colin. That's that's a thing. Like, And Isaac's livid because they scored a goal on Colin's mistake. I, yeah. I didn't. It was, yeah. It's just, again, it was, it was too much. They're just beating us over the head with this concept. And I think, like, Isaac makes the first mistake by kicking this corner, and then it kind of allows the show to preface this jerk in the stand that's yelling at him and is going to yell at him again here in a bit. So both of these kind of main characters having some sort of slip-up is a bit, a bit heavy-handed. Sure. Speaking of heavy-handed and what you should use against them, the team they're playing is the Seagulls. How do you feel <laughs> about Seagulls, Tom? <laughs> I mean, they're wretched creatures. They steal your car keys right off your uh, beach towel. Ugh, just <laughs> the worst, right? <laughs> that was a funny line. Love the commentators. I love that they kind of come in with little little jabs every once in a while. Oh yeah, Arlo and Arlo and Chris. I I think do a great job. I believe mm-hmm. I have their names right. If I've got them wrong, we will cut this out. <laughs> We're at halftime. No, what's it called? Midtime? Midfield time? What's it called during a soccer game? What? It's still ha- halftime. You're good. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> they stole that term from us, huh? <laughs> One crowd member who... <sighs> you knew something like this was coming simply because during the game they only focused on this one crowd member. Mm-hmm. So one dude who is a bit unruly out of thousands, the show's like... Hey, we don't want to tell you, the audience, what's going to happen, but this guy's going to be trouble. And sure enough, he screams a slur, and Mm. it's not fun. This leads to Isaac entering the stands in order to, I'm assuming, murder him with his (laughs) hands. 
And that's where the murder mystery episode starts. <laughs> Not much of a mystery, I guess. We solved it. It was Isaac <laughs> in the stands with his bare hands, and the guy deserved it. This is this is all very heavy-handed with, with the, the screaming of this slur. And, I mean, unfortunate as it is, this is something that's relatively common in modern sports, especially in European soccer, where guys will scream, or people in the crowd will scream, racial and and homophobic things to players that's why a lot of the players you'll see wear like badges on their uniforms or throughout the stands it says say no to racism because it is unfortunately just the world we live in it's it's a bummer so like i'm not against this show kind of tackling this but the way they did it i don't think was great this but this is the first time we get isaac kind of the way he's approaching this where he says like what did you say to me is what he screams to this guy right so he's he's trying to kind of take this off of Colin, right? And say like, this is directed to him. So I think this is the first little inclination that we get as an audience that he's very upset about, you know, this, this slur and is wanting to protect his teammate. Cause he's probably more aware of it now. Yeah. Right. This is the show finally being like, Hey, guess what? Isaac isn't terrible. He maybe <laughs> has anger issues, but he's not terrible in the way we've made him seem the first half of the show. Yeah. And we're going to reward him by giving him a red card. And I think that means he's ejected from the game. I'm never quite sure on the card system in this. <laughs> uh, we don't have card systems in American sports, Tom. Not yet. But yes, red card is you are kicked out of the game. Your team has to play with 10 men or one less guy for the rest of the game. Sure. And the fan also gets ejected because mm-hmm. he, he also gets, gets a red card. A red card. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We're in the locker room. The communication between Roy and Ted, I'm going to say, is not great. A little bit wanting. Like, uh, the team all comes in, this thing happening in the stands, and Roy walks in and gives Ted this, like, shrug, like, ah, it is what it is, and Ted's, like, gives him the what just happened. And, like, Mm -hmm. instead of, like, hey, let's talk, guys, like, how are we going to handle this? What just happened? It's just like some shrugs and some hand motions. And then it's like, okay, I'll take care of it. Um, we did sit in that silence for a long time. I thought they were going to even do it longer than they did of like Ted just looking all around like, okay, nobody's going to talk. I guess I'll kick these things off. Right. And Isaac expresses that a fan said some ignorant stuff and his, uh, I think it's Jamie comments on, you know, not to react to it because it's all just what, Tom? <laughs> it's all just poopy. Ignore it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but Isaac doesn't want to ignore it. What if one of us is gay? And then he points at Colin. <laughs> and no, that's not what happens. I don't know. This is another one of these things where it's like, all right, the so we're going to use the locker room to... Kind of like they did in the last episode. Like, here's where we're going to have the talk. It's going to happen in the locker room. uh, And so let's all, like, throw out our our opinions about why we all shouldn't be bigoted. Which, you know, (laughs) I'm all for. But it just seems (laughs) like the episodes are all leading to this where we get to the locker room and the lesson is revealed. I don't think they realize there are commercials these days that last about 30 seconds and they're like, hey, be a good person. 
And that's all you need in today's age. I mean, yeah, we don't need anything other than a commercial between some sort of TV show or sporting event that's like, hey, be kind. And you're like, okay, commercial, I'm going to be kind. I think it's a TikTok. I think it's called a TikTok nowadays. Yeah, okay. don't watch commercials. Well, that's true. And that's why society's going downhill. <laughs> we were better when we were watching commercials between <laughs> cartoons on Saturday morning and buying all those expensive Legos. <laughs> Anyways, so the locker room becomes the lesson. And what I did like is Isaac leaves. He goes to, I'm going to call it the kit room. It's the boot box. Isaac goes to the boot box, which he typically goes to the boot barn to buy his boots, but this time he's going to the boot box, and Roy joins him, and we have a quick cut here back to the team, where the team is like, so Isaac's gay, right? Mm -hmm. And then Jan says something like, well, statistically, 10% of people are gay, and... Then everyone looks at Jamie. <laughs> and this was a great moment for Jamie. <laughs> he gets a lion just staring at camera or, or looking at everybody and just touches his chest. I'm flattered. <laughs> flattered. Just so good. <laughs> Bill Dunst. So good. So good. And then Colin stands up and he's like, Isaac isn't gay. And cut. And so mm-hmm. then we're back with Roy and Isaac. And Roy is drilling down on Isaac why Isaac is so mad. Why Isaac is mad. Why Isaac is mad. <laughs> Whew, I'll get there. But again, I like that Roy is the one having this conversation with Isaac, uh, kind of two grumpy guys that probably make sense. But Roy parallels his conversations that he's kind of been having or his feelings of avoiding his own feelings, right? That uh, Rebecca confronted him on. So he's kind of doing the same with Isaac, saying like, listen, this is not what you're mad at. Figure out what you're mad at and and solve it. So I like what they did with these two having the conversation here. No, this is good. And we've seen these two have deep conversations, like when Isaac lost his love for the game and mm-hmm. Roy went and joined him and they played like pickup soccer in like a bad part of town. So, no, I think this is good. And I do think the relationship between Isaac and Roy is important. And, and so I, I'm glad this has happened. But it wasn't just Roy and Isaac's relationship that was developing in the boot box, Tom. We get a will, a will reveal, which was awesome. This is, what, the second or third time we've had it where he's just in the background of a scene and then they yep. just kind of pan and say, like, oh, yes, yeah, somebody else is here. And who it is it? It's Will. And he's got this very profound statement about snowflakes on a mountain. If you wait too long, just one sneeze away from an avalanche that will kill us all. It was it was good. And I think afterwards he could have just ended there. But, of course, he has to say, anybody want some bubble gum? Yes. Don't push it. Don't push it. So good. Yeah, it was great to see Will. Mm-hmm. In the locker room. Colin comes out to the team, although we don't get this. We just have like, they cut Mm -hmm. during this conversation and then we're at the conclusion of it. And (laughs) I thought the show did this cleverly where Ted, because everyone, what did they say? Everyone was like, uh, I don't remember the um, expression he, they use, which is like, we care or... What do they say? Like we're. I think it was Rojas that kind of says, "Like, hey, man, we don't, we don't care if you're gay. It's not a big deal. We, we don't care." Kind of deal, right. and that's what we jumps Ted care. into his analogy. Yeah, yeah. And so Ted 
his whole point is, you know, we don't care in a sense, but we should have cared in, in terms of rather than just like, I guess I don't care gives the uh, impression that you're like, you can ignore it or not mm-hmm. ignore. Yeah, ignore, I think it's kind of the thing. Hey, it, it yeah. doesn't bother us. But Ted's point is, hey, we should care. We should like embrace it, be engaged. And he gives this whole Broncos and Chiefs analogy about a friend who was a Broncos fan. And it's very funny because, you know, I don't care for any jokes against seven-layer bean dip. I think (laughs) seven-layer bean dip is unassailable and should never be joked about. And it's an incredible food. And we should all cherish it for what it is. And it's important. I'm going to say it right now. Seven-layer bean dip is important. So, I did not appreciate those jokes, but I did think it was great that he makes this analogy and Colin's like, did you just compare me being gay to being a Broncos fan? <laughs> and it's kind of the show calling itself out. They're like, hey, we're going to have Ted have his funny moment, but also we recognize the ridiculousness of the parallel. And I thought that was great. Yeah, I felt like the writing wasn't fantastic in terms of this analogy, so they just called it out here at the end, right? Uh, saying how, how silly it really was. Because I'm all for what Ted was getting at and the idea of like being there for your friends and and and, and caring, right? Like you mentioned, but I, I appreciate that they at least called it out. Uh, and the sentiment of the scene was was great, and I do appreciate the end too. We get like a little bit of a great line from Jamie. Where he's like, like you've got us, we've got you. Jamie again, just being a completely different teammate from what we saw in the first season. Yeah, I I mean, that arc in itself is worth the show. Where Mm -hmm. Jamie went from some of the stuff he's gone through, I wish they gave him more, to be honest. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they're using him just the right amount. Maybe if they used him too much, it would mean less. But he's been great on the bikes chasing windmills in in this (laughs) episode. Um, The... One thing I do want to point out is actually his best line in this scene, Tom, is like, what the heck is a Denver Bronco? That was <laughs> one of the better lines. He's like, what are we talking about? I would um, argue, I think what's what's coming up, it's not even a line, but when Sam gets the captain's badge oh, yeah, and they're talk going about back it. <laughs> They're going back and forth. Sam's like, oh, do, do you want it? And Jamie's kind of reaching out like, oh, yeah, come on, I can give it to me. And then Sam gives him the finger. finger. That was just uh, absolutely great. Yep, that was a great, great moment. They all put their hands in. Everyone's willing to touch hands now. I mean, for a group of guys that all have their members tied together, they should not be against <laughs> putting their hands. Anyways, <laughs> Sam is the captain now. And they do a I love you very much on three, which is just a, a, a lovely moment. And you have Sam being like, oh, I get to count down, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really know what to do. And it was, yeah, it was fun. And I like that, that Colin kind of stays behind here and he gets a quick little conversation with Trent about, you know, Trent saying like, hey, was that exactly how you felt it was going to go? Um, in a funny little line from Colin. But I mean, again, it was, I liked what the show did. Like they still... They forced Colin's hand here, but they still gave Colin, like, he decided to stand up and, and talk to his team. Like, he felt like now was was the time to, to share this. And I think at the end, too, where, you know, Colin walks away, Trent kind of takes a beat in the doorway and kind of looks back. And you see the locker room, you see the hashtag we are Richmond kind of on the wall. And I feel like Trent gives this, like, extra wink and a nod about, 
I don't know, like the team and maybe the culture of what Ted's created here. Like, I feel like it, this is a specific moment that is going to be pointed out like in his, in his book that he ultimately writes, right? Sure. Oh, definitely. I think this whole show is just a preamble to the book that Trent Krim mm-hmm. is going to write that you and I are inevitably going to read and do a 25-part <laughs> podcast on. Each chapter will be two podcasts. And we will go sentence by sentence. We will read each one and then discuss each sentence. And then we will probably get sued for copyright. But if we do it as a parody... have no money. (laughs) I know, Tom, it's called Debtor's Prison. And it's very real. And they will send us there. Because it's a British book. And the Brits still love their debtor's prison. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyways, West Ham, we've got Nate and Jade texting back and every forth. Time, every time they go to a phone, I can't help but just pause it here. Did you notice like uh, Nate had sent her a voice message that was two minutes and 30 seconds long, and then Jade's response, her voice message is five seconds? I thought that was pretty funny. No, no. I typically just <laughs> see the emojis, and then my mind goes blank, and I'm like, I'm watching a show so I don't have to stare at a screen. And then my mind goes, well, a TV is just a bigger screen, Julian. Mm, and then I have bro. to have a conversation with that part of me, and that leads to therapy. So, Nate. This is where Roger, the the Higgins equivalent, uh, comes into scene and says, hey, we're going out to grab a beer. Do you want to come? And then Nate says, like, no, I can't go with you. I'm going to do the special special little deal with Rupert. Which, again, this scene didn't seem to be necessary or make sense. Right. But I think it's a big miss here. I bet Roger's a good hang. That's yeah. I'm going to go on record. Roger, If he's Higgins equivalent, Roger's a good hang. I bet he plays the harp, the stand-up harp. <laughs> And he loves harp jazz, and he's really good at it. And yeah. then one day, Roger and Higgins will start a band. Bass and harp, they'll call them. Mm, I'm in. Maybe. Richmond wins the game. Tom, how rare is it for a team that has, okay, they're one man down, so they have 15 players on the field. How difficult <laughs> is it for a team of 15 to beat a team of 16 in uh, premier soccer? Uh, it was 10 v 11 and it's not unheard of but it's very very unlikely but you could say richmond's on this winning streak i do like they get that thing from beard where okay what are we going to do in the second half absolutely nothing like differently than what we just did so like it's possible yeah it's it's more kind of fun storytelling for for this series and then of course even giving colin the moment of like saying how great he played and he had two assists and and all that I hope Trent quotes that in his book. He's like, during the game where they lost their team captain and they were playing a man down, when they went to change up the game plan, the coaches were like, don't change a thing because we're a man down. And that's when the staff gets fired because that is revealed to the public and the fans lose their minds. Yeah. 
We have Richmond winning, and the important thing to note is that Colin has the two assists that help them win the game. And so the show is telling us that if you are truthful to your teammates, that makes you a better soccer player. Is that right? Is that what the show is trying to teach us in that moment? Sure. I just think it's funny that the show is like, hey, we're not a soccer show, but we're going to show success through, like, hey, the team wins this game because they're all, like, buddies again, even though Isaac Mm -hmm. is. I don't know. It's just weird how sometimes they use the soccer of it all to be like, okay, now Colin has, like, some amazing assists in play because something happened in the locker room at halftime. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just a... We're using the soccer in a weird way sometimes in the show. That is sport, though, right? Like, the idea of something, like, people rallying behind something potentially happening, like, in their personal life or whatever it is to do greatness on the field. I think there's plenty of documented stories about that. So, But again, that's this a good is a point. bit far-fetched. That's a good point. And it's... Yeah, that's a good point. It's like when something tragic happens and then they go and they kick a thousand. Yeah, I'm with Mm -hmm. you. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've got a quick scene with Nate and Rupert where Rupert has, I'm assuming these two ladies are not escorts and (laughs) Nate shows up and Nate shows up in order to tell Rupert that he's not going to show up, which he doesn't even confront him. He's like, hey, I'm in a relationship. I don't want to hang out with these women. He's just like, oh, I showed up to tell you I couldn't make it. And you're just like, all right, strong, strong Nate move by telling him off. Yeah, Again, I just don't, I don't understand Rupert's motivation outside of, I I know what the show is trying to do. I know the show is trying to go for it. Tom, (laughs) Tom, Tom, I think they're escorts. So (laughs) Rupert's motivation is, I, how do I do this on a clean (laughs) podcast? Listen, okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. When that is a man my- <laughs> and a woman love each other very much, Tom, and one has, either one has a lot of money and wants to express their love to the other and has the cash in order to do it, that, mm. uh, this isn't going <laughs> to... This isn't going to work out. This is not how Listen. the books told me I would have to explain this to you. <sighs> I understand Rupert's motivation with these escorts. I don't understand why he's bringing Nate into the fold here. Like, there's there's just no need for it. He's trying to corrupt he's, him. He's trying. He sees, like, something good happening for Nate in the sense that he has this relationship with Jade, and he's trying to corrupt him. And corruption happens, Tom... When a man loves a woman <laughs> and he wants to express... Uh, I need to work this out on you because I'm going to have to have this conversation with my kids soon. So uh, tell me how I'm doing, Tom. Was the money part too much? Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's how I took it, man. He's, he's like no, He sees fair. something good happening for Nate and he's mm-hmm. Rupert. So he has to corrupt it. And when a man loves a woman and he's been a vampire slayer librarian for as long as Rupert has been. Wait, that's He gets Buffy. lonely. He gets lonely. <laughs> when a man gets lonely or woman gets lonely and they have the cash capital in order to No, that's that's never mind. Let's let's move on to the coach's office. Are you sure? We can we can get this. When a man 
<laughs> okay, we're moving on. Oh, man. Listen, the best when a man loves a woman speech is uh, Dr. Tobias Bunke and Arrested. So that's, the, that's quite <laughs> possibly the best speech. With much concentration, he's able to achieve... Anyways... <laughs> Uh, I'll let the audience. But the best, that one. the best when a man loves a woman though is Sir Michael Bolton. Oh, okay. Go. I didn't know he was a sir. I didn't know Michael Bolton was a sir. I didn't even know Michael is. Bolton was British. Michael Bolton's British. Who knows? Jimmy Page, Joe Walsh. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do I need to start naming Christopher Nolan movies? What's happening right now? You're just naming people, British people. Listen, I just, I Camilla, just heard the that... king. <laughs> The king. Uh, moving on. All right. We're in the coach's office. <laughs> they're talking about a win streak, and they're like, we don't talk about it, which they're stealing this from baseball, right? You don't talk about a perfect game. They're talking mm-hmm. about win streak. Uh, you don't talk about streaks. You don't talk about Bruno. Those are the two things. That's right. Amen. I love Roy's conversation here where he's like, listen, my grandparents... 51 years of marriage because they never said a word to each other. That's why we don't talk about it. I thought he was going to go with, at 51 years, they talked about how great their marriage was, and that led to divorce. But uh, they went a better route, and that's why they write comedy, and I don't. This is, did you get this? So, like, Higgins says this line about, like, hey, Ted, you got to go to this presser. It's a big one. And then Ted's line says, that's what that lady from the American office said. Did you get that? No, no, I did not okay, get that. Okay, so I think what they're trying to do here is Michael Scott constantly saying that's what she said in The Office. This was, I think, a way too cleverly written joke where he's saying, Higgins said, uh, you got to go to this presser. It's a big one. Instead of just saying that's what she said, you're trying to like tie it to The Office. So then Ted responds, that's what the lady from the American office said. Super weird. Like it's a, a very... I'm not going to say highbrow. I think it's like a, just a poorly written a hat on a reference. hat. I believe that is a me hat and my on wife, a hat. my wife listens to all of the um, Office Ladies podcasts. Is rewatching the show again, maybe for the third time, and it's a fantastic, fantastic show. Like me and her both looked at each other, and like what? What are they talking about here? Hmm. So I think that's what they were doing. If, okay. if, if I'm wrong, you know, at at us. I, I I'm actually interested to know if uh, if I'm off base here. Let me know. Sure, you can email Tom at uh, teampodcast at gmail.com. Wait, <laughs> what are we called? Team Binge Podcast? Uh, I don't know what our email is anymore, Tom. But make the subject line uh, the lady from the American office, and Tom mm-hmm. will answer all of those emails. You have to figure out what our email is first, <laughs> because I don't think I found it during this little rant, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah. We have the presser with Roy. The press is like, hey, do you condone what Isaac did? And Roy tells a very fitting story. I really like, I enjoyed the scene. I thought Roy mm-hmm. did a good job. I, I, You know, these are one of the scenes that, not one of, they. I love all of them. But these are the scenes that you enjoy out of Lasso. Yeah, when he like sits back in the chair, they start playing the music, and he gives this kind of heartfelt speech about, you know, you don't know what's going on in, in people's lives and you shouldn't assume or, or make jokes that can be kind of taken out of context. It was it was great. And I feel like very much what this show is doing here is throughout this whole entire episode, and especially here at the end, is showing us that Roy 
is becoming more and more like Ted, right? Old school Roy does not pull out a story like this to talk about what's kind of happening in the current moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even like just going back and forth with the, the journalists and stuff, like he's kind of making fun and jokes and things like that. Like they are turning Roy into Ted, which also kind of made me think maybe that is the end game too for this show where our Roy might become the replacement coach for Ted if he goes back to the, the States. Yeah, I very much got that vibe that maybe this team is eventually going to become Roy's. And mm-hmm. yeah, to your point, we've seen Roy grow and he's telling a story about like, hey, you don't know what feelings a person is keeping inside and how they'll react to something. And, you know, he said, hey, just buying a ticket doesn't allow you to ridicule a player. Uh, because you don't know what's happening, and so yeah, mm-hmm. it was a it was a good a good Ted slash Roy, and mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I was like, okay, this might be what the end game is. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the nicknames that uh, Roy gives the uh, journalists, where he's like Five O'clock Shadowhead, <laughs> New Trent, and Goblin King. God. I don't know who the Goblin King was, but that was pretty funny. No, it was all great stuff. Let him do all the pressers now. <laughs> Nate shows up at Jade's place, gives her a very lovely hug. I think this is him just realizing, hey, guess what? Like, relationships are important, and Rupert is not the role model that you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like, once again, I do like what they've developed with Nate and Jade. I, I think it's uh, a fun relationship, and I hope they are happy forever. Do when, you? Can I ask oh, before we move yeah, on? Sure, you can ask. I mean, you're just a guest, but go ahead. Ask whatever you'd like. Do you, I know you kind of said at the beginning that you are already kind of in for the turn with Nate. I mean, do you, I I feel like I just don't, I'm not buying in or caring about the Nate turn or like his relationship with Jade. I think she's fine. She's a fun character. Like I think when she's on screen, but I feel like they don't really necessarily have like loads of chemistry when they're on screen together. And like all these scenes with them, again, I know they're trying to move Nate back into the fold or whatever to, to come back in some form or fashion. But are you are you any like me where I just don't I don't buy into the story as much anymore? I care about all the other characters. No, no, I think I it's funny. You were a Nate guy in the beginning, and I think I'm more of a Nate guy now. Okay. Um, I think it's tough to have chemistry with Jade because she plays that character. So like stoic. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to get a lot of chemistry, but I what I like from her is she is a reminder to Nate of, hey, like you're managing a premier soccer league. That's cool. But celebrate your victories, like enjoy life. It's not all mm-hmm. about this. And Nate is also seeing that he could become Rupert and like be a, I don't know, a turd like Rupert, for lack of a better <laughs> word. Or he can, you know, find a deep and meaningful relationship with Jade and, like, not spend every moment obsessing about getting back at Ted, which I don't think that's... I feel like the show has done, like, the Nate... They turned him so hard, bad. And then they've been kind of reminding us, oh, actually, Nate's good. And so, in the end, it makes his first turn where he, like, screams at Ted and like does all that like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that is out of character for the Nate we've seen in the Mm -hmm. first season and the third season so I don't think they've done it well but I am still invested in Nate 
Um, and even if Nate like stays at West Ham just as the manager there, but he finds happiness like personally, but he mm-hmm. becomes a better coach and person, like be befriends Roger and we don't care about disco, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that will be satisfying for me or if he returns to Richmond, but I like what they've done with him. Although I think it's been kind of clumsy if that's, yeah. it- no, I think that's But I don't write for statement. TV, so I, I you know, <laughs> they're doing a much better job than I would ever. I'm not going to sit here and criticize something I can't do, but actually I am. That's what this podcast is about. But um no. No, I think you're right. I I, I liked the idea of bringing Nate back into the fold. I liked him in the first season. I just thought they went way too hard in the second season with his his character arc in turn that all this other stuff I think is just it all falls flat to me because of how hard they turned out. So right. I don't think there was anything they could have really done this season to, to make this any better, but because of those hard turns, it's, I just don't, I'm not invested in his storyline anymore. I think would have been like, I mean, I hate to do this, but if they had had him like real bad for like three episodes or four episodes and you got to like see that and then, like he, I don't know, had some sort of something happen where he then becomes kind of the Nate we remember and you see like him gradually get back to good. I think mm-hmm. that would have been better. But what we saw was like this hard turn and then we see these flashes of good Nate and then these flashes of weird, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, bad Nate. And so I don't know. It, it just clumsy is how I would describe it. Agree. Agree. But what's not clumsy is Isaac and Colin being best buds again. <laughs> Isaac was upset that Colin lied. And um, once again, I think this is weird that Isaac made this about him. But this is what the show did. Yeah. And I mean, we get I like this scene at the end where they're finally talking and confronting each other. But should have done this well before here. But oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the idea of Isaac making this about him and, and his feelings. And he feels betrayed because he was lied to. Like... You're not, you're not lied to. You're not, he's not actively telling you a lie. Like this is something that he's been living with for his whole life. And he even, Isaac even says it like later in the scene where he's like, how do you keep the secret? I don't know. It must've been so hard to do this. Well, like, yeah, if it's been so hard to do this, then why are you so upset and have been so upset this whole time about it? Again, I didn't, I didn't like what they did. I know they Trent gave him a little bit of an out by this being just maybe a shock to Isaac, but I think they could have gone about this a better way than than playing with the audience for an entire episode. Sure. They also have the out where they're like, Isaac, you can't keep a secret. And that's Mm -hmm. another reason why I didn't tell you. But you're like, I don't. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sure. Right. Exactly. Isaac apologizes. Uh, They hang out, which (laughs) uh, was fun. And I don't know. I don't know what this was, but they're like, Isaac, we're just going to let you ask a bunch of straight dude questions. Uh, (laughs) Like, this was almost, I don't know, uh, stereotypical. They're like, hey, just start asking him questions about, like, being gay. and Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess that Isaac here is just ignorant of, like, gay culture and just wants to know, but he's saying it in a way that is Isaac. I don't know. Like, yeah, This made more sense 10 years ago. Like, as a... (laughs) I don't know. For for him to like ask these questions once again, this storyline just felt just felt old. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I, I have to say it here. Their their video game acting is very, very poor. They're just holding on to these controllers, barely moving their thumbs. I mean, 
just just not great. There might as well be no water in those cups. There might as well be no water in those cups. What do you think they're playing, Tom? Well, they were playing FIFA. They they showed a quick uh, snippet of it. So, I think they were playing The Last of Us. The Last of Us, <laughs> which is a TV show on HBO that Tom and I talked about. So if you haven't watched or listened to that, go watch that show. It's enjoyable. And then listen to Tom and I talk about it. And Tom knows everything about it. And I look at it with fresh eyes of a young babe. <laughs> well done. Way to, way to sell the pod. No problem. And you can do it. <laughs> While drinking a Lionel Coogie, summer shandy. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to kick back, play a video game, watch the show about a video game, and listen to a podcast about a video game while sipping your refreshing Lionel Cougars summer shandy. <laughs> Crap. It all got... I've had too many summer shandies, so uh, the words got jumbled. But Not enough. Anyways, Tom, we've got three episodes left. I'm interested to... I want to know what the conclusion is. What is the goal? What is the goal of this soccer? Is it going to be a match between West Ham and Richmond? Is that what this boils down to? And then the soccer of it all becomes important? What? What are we? Where are we headed? I don't know where we're headed. I don't know where the butt, where the butt, where the butt's going. Where the boat's going? The butt of the boat. The butt of the boat. The bow butt of the boat. The jibboon of the boat. There you go. <laughs> the next episode is called International Break. So they're doing more of these. I don't know. I think it's good for the show because it allows them not to focus on the soccer and focus on these characters and relationships. So I'd imagine we'll probably get something with maybe Ted and uh, Nate maybe confronting each other if they're not having to coach or the players aren't playing. Um, so I think we'll probably move a handful of the storylines forward, but we're not certainly going to move the soccer forward. So I don't know if they're maybe going to have a montage here and talk about the end game for the season. I mean, I guess I assumed the last episode will be the conclusion of the season, or maybe they do it in the penultimate one. I don't, I don't know, but there certainly are a lot of storylines still open with only three episodes left. So I'm hoping they can land this plane. Um, I think it's been a bit of a bumpy ride this season. And I think if, I mean, I don't know, the internet's the internet. If you go and read a review on anything, you can find pros and cons, but I think in general, the audience has been pretty, uh, or not the audience, but critics have been pretty rough on this season for a lot of the things that, that we have talked about. And I don't, I don't know if they've done enough here to be able to land this successfully, I guess is, is well, where I'm at currently. Let's talk about this in terms of what we think successfully looks like, because mm -hmm. I've given this some thought in terms of what do I want, like what would be satisfying? And I am all for a show like not pandering to me. I'm fine with yeah. that. I think some of the best shows are like, oh, if that's what you want, that's not what you're going to get. And you're like left thinking about them, revisiting them. That's all great. As I think about this show, it's like, okay, in the last episode, what do I hope they accomplish? Or like, what would be a nice bow on the end of this bunt cake? And... <laughs> I guess my thoughts would be, like, does Ted stick around? Does he go back home? And does he start things anew with Michelle? Or does he find someone else? Like, is he around for Henry? Like, I mm -hmm. think less about his relationship with a romantic partner, more about, okay, is he going to be there for Henry? Mm -hmm. It's where does Nate end up? Does Nate end up? 
I don't think it's good for Nate to stay with Rupert. I just don't mm-hmm. think that relationship is going to work out for Nate. So I'm interested in that. And then part of me is interested in the soccer of it all, but I don't, like, I have no idea where Richmond is in the standings right now. Do you? Are, are we supposed to they know? They said West Ham is the top of the table, but they haven't said specifically where where Richmond is. They've, they've said they've been on a winning streak, so you assume they're they're up there, so they're, they're competing. So I, I wouldn't take it as a surprise if they do want to have Richmond win. But we've talked about, I don't think that's where this show is going to go. And we even got a line from Ted in this episode where he tells Trent, like, hey, I don't care about winning or losing. So that, to me, again, is the thing. Like, okay, well, then this team is not going to win. They're trying to kind of hit us over the head with that. That's not the goal of this show, and certainly not the goal of Ted's coaching philosophy. Sure. So then, I mean, then it just comes down to, like, where do the individuals land with Mm -hmm. relationships? And is everyone single right now? Like, Rebecca's single, (laughs) Keeley's single, Roy's single, Ted's single. Beards yeah, with kept. Jane, although <laughs> Jane is, is Jane. And then I feel so like Nate maybe... and Jade, that's it, right? Everyone mm-hmm. else is single right now. So are we all going to find Jane? Like, are we all going to find Sam? Sam's single. Are we, are we going to find romantic partners for everyone? Is that what I care about? Is that what I should care about? Tell me, Tom. Answer me. <laughs> Who ordered the code red? The red for love. I mean, this is maybe my biggest gripe with the show now that we kind of talk through it. Like, I don't, I, I like the relationship stuff. I, I, I think we've had some great stuff with uh, Keely and Roy in the past season. But the way the show has treated this season, it just broke every character up so they so they can toy with the audience a bit and say, oh, who's going to end up with who? Where I don't, I'm with you, I don't necessarily care about that. I just want to see all the characters be in a better place than where they were and where they started. And I think that's the the crux of Ted Lasso is the kind of guy he is and the kind of coach he is and how he treats the people around him. He makes other people better people. And just, you know, if, if everybody in the world did that, if we were more kind and considerate and caring of the people around us, even though they may not earn it um, or respect or whatever it is, like Ted always shows um, respect for others and is there for for people. So I my my guess would be everybody's just in a better place, but but I, I could I don't know if I care as much about who ends up with who. Okay. So thank you for making me seem shallow and you seem like a much better person. <laughs> seem is the key word. I just want to point that out to everyone. Although on record, Tom is a much better person than I am. Um but here here's what I I guess what I would point out is aren't we there? Like, we've seen this team develop to the point where Mm -hmm. they're having these mature locker room discussions where they're deleting naked photos and (laughs) they're all very understanding of their gay teammate coming out. Like, Mm -hmm. I made the comment, like, that this locker room is probably a little bit unrealistic for a bunch of professional footballers. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the show, has Ted made all these guys better people? Yes. Like, uh, Jamie, Sam, Roy, like we've all seen. So like, like, what are we seeing in the last episode that is going to make us feel that they have hit their, I guess there's no like pinnacle of Mm -hmm. human behavior or whatever, (laughs) but I don't know. Like we've, we're there, right? We, we, we kind of feel like the team is jiving and they're much better people now. So 
that is also what I want from this, and I love the effect that Ted has had on these people, but we've it feels like this season we've already made it there and we've just been kind of spinning mm-hmm. wheels kind of coasting yeah yeah i agree i mean we know not well. not roy not roy though because he can't ride a bike so he's not coasting <laughs> and he's not spinning wheels well he wasn't is getting, he can now this, this is getting pulled by jamie if you would have told me in season one hey what do you want from roy i would have said i want him to be able to ride a bike well they did that <laughs> they did that and his growth he is a whole human now so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's pretty clear that we're going to end this entire series, or at least these these three seasons, with Trent reading his book, right? Doing the little thing that he did in one of the first ep- our first season episodes, talking about the article he wrote about Ted. So I'm sure we're going to get that that same little bit. And to me, that'll that'll be satisfying if we get some kind of poetic reading of Ted's philosophy and how it's affected everybody. I'm I'm definitely very excited for for that. You, you know, are going to be excited for 60 minutes of Trent just reading from a book for oh, an yes. episode of television. It's just yes. like, hey, <laughs> it's him sitting in like a library in front of a small crowd, and he's like, chapter one. <laughs> I was born, and then I joined Team Richmond, and we're just going to listen to him read for 60 minutes. Yes, I'm with you, Tom, 100%. That's what we want. Show writers, make it happen. No, okay. Uh, We've gone on too long. Uh, We would like to have all of you back to join us for Season 3, Episode 10. Tom, that episode has a title, and you have already done the research. What is that title called? It's called International Break. I won't make anything funny this time because I did see it ahead of time. But I think we do get a screenshot of uh, Akufu. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Sam Richardson. You're remember? Sam Richardson making a comeback, which, I mean, I love Sam Richardson, and I think he's great, and his role of Akufu was really good in this, but I don't need more characters brought back into the show. There's three left. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Any sign of Miss Bowen? No, not yet. But you know, we're on we're on watch, Miss Bowen watch. Oh man, I've been on Miss Bowen watch since season one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again, and Tom, that was a great title. Good joke. I appreciated what you did there. A <laughs> um, lot of layers to it. If you have questions, comments, we do appreciate those of you that email us. Maynard, it was nice to hear from you. Um, the big bees, always good to hear from you guys. Um, <laughs> You can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Tom will talk about the other social stuff. Uh, Please rate and review at Apple. You can subscribe on Spotify. If you're going to leave a review, leave a nice one. Um, (laughs) That was a good one-star review for me. (laughs) Because who's got the time? Like, if you don't like us, don't listen. That would be my advice at minute 86. Um, Thanks for hanging out. But, uh, yeah, Tom, what were the other services? What, did, what didn't I touch on? Yeah, please follow us at uh, on Twitter or Instagram at Team Binge or at Team Binge Podcasts. I do want to call out uh, one of the good friends of the pod, John, uh, purchased some custom Converse that were super awesome. They had, like, the Richmond logo on it. It says AFC Richmond. I guess you can customize through the Converse website. So go check those out and make yourself a pair because they are awesome. Yeah, I did see those. Those are very cool. I'm a size 11, John, and uh, Tom <laughs> is a size 6. 
So <laughs> you can send those directly to our P.O. box at <laughs> teambingepodcast at gmail.com. I don't know what a P.O. box is. We have enjoyed this time together. So we'll see you next week. I've been Julian. And I have been Coach Tom. Adios, boyo. <laughs>